coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing podcast. So if people have an interest in that, that's kind of who I'm focusing on and who I think will gain uh, the most value because I like to cover things, you know, backcountry gear. Uh, that The guy who's doing the Gila Traverse, he is starting a backcountry fly fishing specific company to try to solve some of the problems like carrying a bulky net into the backcountry, like things that um, you can do, but they're not. there's not like a huge market for the people who are trying to hike 10 miles in a day and fish. That was Katie Berger taking us into her podcast and her ideal listener. Backcountry fly fishing tips, respect what you kill. And my favorite, a fellow fly fishing podcaster today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Would you love to hear something a little bit differently right here? What if I said, please head over to insert your favorite brand here and connect with one of the cool companies that's supporting independent podcasters, me, and great local businesses. If you have someone in mind that would fit that insert your favorite brand here, I would love to connect with them. This podcast is all about you, our guests, our sponsors, and bringing that together in a nice symbiotic relationship is what uh, I try to do. So give me a shout out anytime if you have somebody in mind that we should connect with. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsor. Waters West Fly Fishing Outfitters is your go-to resource for swung fly techniques, two-handed casting, and anadromous fish. Find out why Waters West has built a coat-like following around their fly tying materials and shop and why they are the go-to resource for OP and beyond. Please head over to wetflyswing.com slash waterswest right now and check in with Ed and Kyle and get geared up for your next trip on the water. Today's episode is sponsored by Trestle, who you know from their game-changing telescopic fly rod roof rack systems. But did you also know that Trestle just released the only universal bike rack system designed exclusively for the angler and outdoorsman? You can check out this new universal rack system at wetflyswing.com slash Trestle right now to see their full line of gear-carrying products and the Artist Series apparel. That's Trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E. Trestle, live your pursuit. Katie Berger from the Fish Untamed podcast is here to break out a serious chat around podcasting and the outdoors. We roam all over the place in this one, from the 50-50 to the conservation to podcasting to business and everything in between. Is there anything we didn't cover in this one? That is a good question. She's got a good podcast and a great interview style, so I'm happy to share this one with you today. Here we go. Katie Berger from fishuntamed.com. How you doing, Katie? I'm good. Happy to be here. It's nice to record in the morning and be enjoying a cup of coffee while we go. Yeah, that's right. Do you normally on your podcast, are you recording usually in the evening or when are you doing it? Yeah, I usually do the evening and I don't really know why because um, I kind of like these morning ones and it's. I think it's just a matter of waking up and doing it. So um, I think when you suggested morning, I was like, yeah, let's give that a go and I'm liking it. Good. Good. There you go. So maybe we'll switch up your whole program. Maybe that'll change the complexity of how your podcast turned out. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we've done some, we do quite a bit in the evening as well. But, you know, I just find that uh, it is nice in the mornings to knock it out and just be like, all right, yeah, I'm feeling good. It's, it's like uh, doing your work, right? Get the work done. And then the rest of your day, you're like, okay, I checked that box, right? Yeah, I think that's, I mean... 
I, I hate to say that I like don't look forward to um, podcast episodes because I do. Um, I like talking to people and I um, I like hearing about everyone's different area of expertise and everything. But there is a part of me that, you know, when it's later in the day, I'm thinking about it all day, like it's coming. Um, it's still a bit of a chore. So yeah, I think you're right. It's nice to kind of knock it out and feel like you've gotten that part done for the day. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Well, we're going to dig into the uh, Fish Untamed podcast that you have. And uh, it's a good podcast. It sounds like when I listen to it, I always, you can tell a good podcast because you can tell the host is curious. That's always like the first thing. And it sounds like when you're listening that you are pretty interested in all these topics. Is that something that you're just naturally a curious person? Or talk about that. How do you ask the good questions? Um, Well, I guess the easiest way to say it is that I reach out to people that are knowledgeable in topics I'm interested in. So it's, it is a genuine curiosity, but um, I think in general, I'm pretty curious about things that I like to do. And there's a lot of them. I'm by no means a uh, a fishing specialist or anything. I, I love fishing and I have since I was little, but um, basically anything that is of interest to me, I can do a deep dive on. Um, and so, and especially with fly fishing, with so many different topics within that, like, you know, it's so diverse um, and the things that you can do and the techniques and the species and everything that um, I feel like there's just never enough to learn. Like there's always something else you can learn. And so, um, yeah, part of it's a, a curiosity. Part of it's that I want to get better at fishing. And the way to do that is to talk to people who know more than I do. Um, so it's kind of a um, a lot of reasons, I guess. It's it's easy to ask questions when you're when you genuinely want to know what the people have to say. Yeah, that's right. That makes it easy. Yeah, you can't fake it. That's the great thing is that, you know, podcasting isn't easy. But if you're curious and you're into it, it actually is kind of easy, right? I guess you could screw up, but it makes it easier to kind of enjoy it. So, so good. Well, I want to just dig into a little on your background, the podcast, find out how it came to be, talk about your fishing, and then we'll dig into some of the podcast content out there. But let's just take it back to the podcast. You know, I know how much work it is doing a podcast. Take us there. When did this idea come to be and what made you start Fish Untamed? Oh, man, I should actually have a, a date in my head when people ask this question. I want to say I started it in 2019, maybe. Um, so come, it, it's been a couple of years. Um, but it started as a blog, uh, probably a year or two before that. Um, long story short, I had used to do a little bit of guiding over the summer. And when I graduated from college, I needed a job that you know would go year round, obviously. So um, I left that. And going from guiding all summer and uh, fishing in my free time to having a job that didn't have a ton of uh, like flexibility or time off, I felt this kind of jarring sense of being stuck at a desk and felt like I was not fishing anymore, even though I, I mean, I was in my free time, but it just felt like this big shift from being outside all the time to um, feeling like I was never outside, basically. And the blog, I started as a way to, um, I guess, feel like I was still connected to fishing, even when I couldn't be outside, because I could do that, you know, after the sun went down, after work, um, I could still feel like I was kind of being a part of that community, I guess. Um, and so I'd write a blog post every week. Um, and eventually I just kind of got burned out on that. I think I realized that writing is not um, really my thing. I don't think I'm terrible at it. I don't think I'm the best at it, but I don't think I'm terrible at it. But I just didn't like it. It, it felt like such a chore. I would not really look forward to it after having done it for a while. Um, but I listened to a ton of podcasts um, at my job. It was just doing computer work. So I could listen to podcasts all day. And I realized that I was listening to like basically every fly fishing podcast that was out at the time. And like, I feel like I'm such a part of the podcasting world, despite just listening to them, um, that I wonder if I should just give this a try. It seems like not uh, terribly difficult. And it is a lot of work, like you mentioned, but it's not terribly difficult. 
um, to do. I mean, you need a microphone and some good people to talk to, and that's about it. Yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, I started that um, under the same name. Uh, it was all under the same website. And uh, eventually, I just kind of gave up on the blog. I just It wasn't doing anything for me. I would look forward to podcasting, and I would still view the blog as a chore. So um, I still have it on there in case I ever want to you know, write up a story about some fishing trip I take or whatever. But overall, I've just kind of um, scrapped the blog. It just kind of sits there now. Um, but yeah, the podcast is still going. Uh, I think you and I talked at length last time we talked. I don't know if it was on or off air, but yeah. um, it's just such a fun thing to do. I, I mentioned that it can kind of feel like a chore if I've got it coming in the evening, but that's just because I want to do a good job. And so it's, I can't really relax until I've finished it. Um, right. Because I'm, you know, I owe the other person uh, my full attention. So I've got to, I've got to be on. I can't just kind of um, half-ass it, if you will. Right. Uh, but it is fun. I've met a ton of great people, um, learned a lot of things and yeah, it's just, it's still going and uh, no plans to stop. And are you doing uh, like weekly or how, how often, how frequently are you doing podcast episodes? So I started every week and I just found that it was, um, I worried that it was going to go the same route as the blog if I kept going weekly uh, because scheduling interviews and everything, you're kind of at the mercy of other people. Um, so I switched to every two weeks and that has been like kind of a great balance. It's easy for me to get uh, a month or two ahead if I need to, if I've got something coming up. Um, like for example, this summer we're getting married. So hmm. my goal is to kind of record out past wow. that so I can, you know, enjoy my time. Um, and that's kind of, I feel like the, been the good balance for me of, um, it still feels like it comes out often enough that people don't forget about it, but it lets me have a life away from it and keeps it enjoyable and fresh for me. Yeah. Perfect. And how do you go about, uh, you know, choosing guests. So that's always the thing, right? You got lots of topics, not only fly fishing, but outdoor, or, you know, where do the, the ideas come from? Uh, kind of all over the place. Um, I'd say some of them, I have an idea that I'd like to um, hear about, or like a maybe a species I'd like to cover. Um, and I'll just go on Google or go on Instagram and search for somebody who has like some expertise in that subject. And I'll just reach out and say, hey, found your name, if you're interested in coming on. Uh, some of my favorite people to uh, get are uh, recommendations from other guests. So I like to ask people when I hop off with them if they have anybody who they'd recommend as a good guest. Because that's, as I feel like, a good way to suss out not only someone who has um, an interest in what I'm interested in talking about, but also it's helpful to have somebody say, like, yes, I think they'd be interested and be good at it. Because I've had people say before, this person is, you know, an expert on what you're talking about, but I don't think they would make the best podcast guest. And, you know, obviously that's, you know, something to tell me in private, but, uh, you know, not everybody is super jazzed about talking publicly for an hour online. And it's something I'd rather suss out ahead of time because um, getting one word answers back from people is not really conducive to a nice no. interview. So it's good to have somebody who's not only knowledgeable, but is able to hold a conversation and is enthusiastic about what they're talking about. Yeah, that's right. Have you had some people along the way that have been, uh, you know, that have been on the podcast where it's been a little bit of a struggle uh, maybe to get the answers to questions and things like that? Yeah, I have. Um, <laughs> not not a lot. Um, and everyone has been super nice. I haven't had anyone who I um, felt like was a, a mean person or anything like that. But there have been a, a handful of people that I think maybe were a little bit nervous or just uh, maybe they didn't listen to podcasts and so didn't have a good feel for uh, like what makes a good conversation um, to listen to via audio. Not to knock them, um, but some people are easier than others. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I always find that is a struggle. I mean, I think that the majority of the episodes we've done it's always, it's, you know, usually it's great, but occasionally, yeah, there'll be something. And I always find that, you know, one trick I use is that, you know, more again, like you're talking, you're curious if you're sitting there listening and you feel like you're maybe 
getting bored a little bit or something like that, right? That's a good signal to maybe change the subject or just go into something wildly different, right? Because, right. Because that's the thing with the you know, people, because maybe, yeah, they're experts on the topic, but, you know, maybe they're just not. Yeah. And so I find changing it up is a good way to do it. And it's also a key, I guess, to ask good questions. I mean, it's easy to get one word answers if you're asking yes or no questions. And so, yeah. you know, sometimes if I sense that somebody is not as chatty as somebody else, um, I'll try to limit the number of like one word answers that they could give and kind of ask them to go a little bit deeper. So they are, they kind of are forced to open up a little bit, which helps. I haven't had any episodes that I would say like went really poorly or anything like that. Um, just kind of have to change the the technique. Gotcha. Well, let's look back at maybe some of the episodes you've done and recently that you can remember. And then we'll also look ahead maybe and just think so we can give people listening here. Obviously, they're into podcasts or listening now. Let's talk about that. What are some recent ones that really come to your mind when you think of past podcasts that you that are already out there people could take a look at? Yeah. So um, I'm just looking at the, the ones I've done recently. Um, actually, I think it came out this morning. It, it was episode 95. So it's like a little bit back on my list. But it came out today. It's uh, with George Cater on pike fishing. Um, I've been really liking the species specific episodes and I think, uh, people tend to like them as well. Um, cause I try to cover a wide range of topics and sometimes that's like conservation and stuff. Um, but those ones don't tend to do as well as much as I wish they did. Um, people love the, like how to catch such and such on the fly. And so I did one with George and we went deep into, uh, pike fishing, which is fun just because most of the episodes I do tend to be trout centered. Um, even if it's not meant to be, you know, that's how they land when you're talking about fly fishing. Um, uh, upcoming, I've got, I, I'm almost to episode 100, which I'm really excited about. And it's with a guy named Patrick. Episode 100 will be with a guy named Patrick. And he's creating this, um, like long, it's, it's almost like a through hike, but with fishing related. So he, he's calling it the Gila Traverse and he's doing a, a trip all through the, uh, native range of the Gila Trout down in the Southwest. And he's just kind of creating this as a like a passion project, um, a way to see all of the range covered by this trout that he likes to fish for. And I tend to like focusing on backcountry fishing on my show. So this is kind of my bread and butter. Like I love hearing from people who are just doing like crazy things um, to try to like spice up their fishing life. And it's like, yeah, these trout aren't super big. You know, I don't catch a ton of them, but uh, here's a way that I can make this really interesting and exciting and um go see like where this trout lives and you know, what makes it it, which I just really love that kind of topic. And um, yeah, he reached out and said he was doing that. And I was like, this sounds exactly what I want to hear. So that's what I'm excited for coming up. Nice. Yeah. So I know, yeah, the backcountry is cool. We've had a few episodes talking about gear and just, you know, how to get out in the backcountry. So is that something, you know, when you're going fishing, is that what you find yourself doing most of the time? Kind of doing some like multi-day hikes, just getting out in the backcountry. Is that typically what you do? That's uh, my favorite thing to do for sure. And it's not always multi-day. That's, you know, when I've got time off um, or a long weekend, yeah, I like to do uh, two to three day backpacking trips usually, but um, also just day trips just far away. I mean, I'll hike five to six miles in a day uh, each way without without thinking twice. So I still do get out there regardless of how much time I have off. But yeah, that's where I would be, you know, every time I went fishing, if I had my choice was like an Alpine Lake or some backcountry tiny stream that you feel like no one's been there before, even though that's probably not the case you can at least convince yourself that yeah. no one's ever been there before. That's right. So, so lakes, so you do both lakes and streams there. Do you kind of do more of one or the other? Um, in the like middle of the summer, I probably do more lakes, although it, it really depends on the summer. Like, you know, sometimes I just end up at more streams, but 
Um, in the shoulder seasons, I definitely end up more on rivers just because it's what's open. I mean, in the spring, the Alpine lakes haven't thawed out yet. Cause when I'm talking about lakes, I mean like the Alpine lakes, um, you know, 10,000 plus feet. So they're only open a couple months a year. So, you know, in like July, that's if I can, if I have my way, that's where I will be. Cause I think they're beautiful and they're fun to get to. Um, but in spring, early summer, fall, uh, I do a lot of small streams and some of the rivers down here. Yeah. And, and where are you at? Where is down here? Uh, I'm in Lakewood, Colorado, so uh, about 20, 25 minutes west of Denver. Oh, yeah, you're right there. So you're west of Denver, gotcha. Yeah, right at the foot of the mountains, basically. Yeah, right at the foot, right? So the rain shadow, right? You get pretty awesome weather throughout the year? Yeah, I think they say we get like 300 days of sun. Um, but in the summer, we usually get an afternoon thunderstorm. Um, yeah, that's not, right. <laughs> not as much down here, but in the mountains, basically every day you can count on like a 1 p.m. thunderstorm that'll roll through. Sure. Yeah, not a big deal. So in Colorado, is, have you been there for a while? Has that been your home base for a while now? Yeah, I think I've been here for 11 years now. Um, on and off, though, because when I was guiding, I, so I guided out here, but I was in school back home where I was born in Pennsylvania. So um, I've been out here in some capacity since 2012, but I would go home to go to school uh, from until 2015. So uh, yeah, I think this is my 11th year of you know spending some sort of, some portion of my year in Colorado and um I've been out here permanently since 2015. Okay. So how's the guiding looked? Are you still doing a little bit of that or what were you guiding for? No, no, not anymore. Um, I'd like to get back to occasionally going up and helping because um, mostly it it kind of stopped because I live too far away now um, from where I was. Uh, it was a summer thing. So I, you know, I could still go up during the summers after I stopped and like had moved on. Um, I would go up and run a couple trips every summer, but um, we moved farther south and now I'm about two hours away from where I was. So it's, it's a bit more of a hassle to get up there now. And um, my, my friend, I think is taking over the business. I, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to like say that, but um, I, I guess I won't share the name of anything just, just in case, but sure. um, I think there might be talk of her kind of starting to transition to taking over. And so in that case, if she's still going to be in charge of it and I'll still have a connection to it for a while, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point I start doing the occasional summer trip with them again. I don't think I'll ever be full-time Yeah, just because I don't have summers off. But yeah, I, I think it could end up being like a, you know, two or three trip a summer kind of thing. Nice. Do you like the guiding? Is it something that you really like love or is it a challenge? Is it hard? Do you find it, uh, you know, because I know for me, I found guiding a uh, very challenging. Yes. So I, I mean, I loved it and I really look back on it fondly, but I do remember that by the end of the summer, I was always burnt out. And I thought I really respect the people who can do this year round because I would not be able to, not because of the fishing, although going to the same places over and over and over again, like we were kind of limited in like where we could go. Um, and so it, it did end up being a lot of the same places over and over again. So that would kind of start to wear on me, but it was more the having to be on with people all the time. Like I know we talked about how it's fun to talk on the podcast with people, but that happens once every couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and in general, I'm a bit of an introvert and I don't, I, I feel drained after spending a whole day, you know, showing people a good time basically. Um, and that is like more of what guiding is. I mean, if you know how to fish, then the fishing is not terribly difficult. Like I can, I can get somebody on a, a 10 inch trout. That's not, it's yeah. not horribly hard. Um, it was just showing people a good time, um, teaching them. And I like teaching. Uh, and, you know, of, of course, people are great, but there are people who uh, make it more difficult. And those people would start to kind of wear on you. Um, and by the end of the summer, I was usually ready to to wrap up and go back to school at the time, what I was doing. Um, 
So yeah, I'm always really impressed with the folks that can do it year round and are guiding like full days every day. Um, and for clients who care a lot more, I mean, where we were guiding, the fish weren't super big. It was a lot of uh, relative beginners. And I, I liked teaching beginners a lot because I felt like they had realistic expectations. Um, people who are taking out you know, seasoned clientele for trophy fish. I think that would wear on me even more with the stress of, you know, really, really wanting to get them what they came for, which is, you know, a specific size of fish or specific number of fish. Um, that part would stress me out. Yeah, that is one of the challenges. And I've talked to a number of guys, as I'm sure you have, and you talk to some of them and you can hear, you know, those ones that are just really, they love it so much. You know, they sound like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. You know, they're just like, man. I think Bruce Shard was the last person we had on that he was just talking about how, you know, I mean, he's, he's guiding like, you know, whatever, 250 days a year. And then he's out another 50 days on hosting, you know, and he just, you can just tell he loves it, you know, like he can't yeah. get enough of it. And so I think those are the guides that really make it right that you could just tell. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think some people are built for just like probably on podcasting. It's kind of funny to say, but there's probably some people that are just made for podcasting as well. Right. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, if I went out with a guide, I would want it to be one of those people. I'd want it to be somebody who like literally does not think about anything but fishing. That's all they do. And I, I love fishing, but I love doing a lot of other things too. And um, I kind of balance my life in the summer. I do a lot of fishing in the winter. I do a lot of skiing. And um, if I were on the water every day of the year, I think it might start to wear on me a little bit, not because I would get bored of fishing, but because I would feel like I was missing out on some of the other activities I also like doing, like hunting and skiing. Um, so I like that balance in my life because it, by the time fishing season comes back around, I'm so excited to get out that, uh, you know, that's when I'm like a kid in a candy store because every season I'm looking forward to something new. Um, so yeah, I, I respect those people. That's who I would want as a guide. But I think for me, I need a little bit more balance in my life with some of the other activities I do. Quick break for a word from our sponsor with over 40 years of experience in coffee the Angler's Coffee team is here to serve you every step of the way, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. They are responsibly sourced from farms using sustainable growing practices. You can rest easy knowing you are doing your part. And uh, like I've said before, they roast it and they ship it within 48 hours. 48 hours. And you know, um, I'm actually drinking coffee right now and it's super late in the evening and I've got that thing where I can drink coffee and still sleep. Raise your hand if you're like me, but I definitely love coffee and Angler's is the coffee that I love most and, uh, and it's no brainer. Angler's is doing good stuff, giving back to great companies, uh, great fly fishing companies, great conservation groups. And they have probably the best coffee out there. So it's a pretty easy call. If you want to um, step it up a bit, this is it. This is a pretty easy one to do. This is like, um, this is kind of like your 1% for the planet. Angler's coffee style. With a blend for every taste, a dry dropper on the go, tea bag option, and a rose sampler, you know, Joe and the Angler's team has you covered. This time, step up to better coffee and more impact for the fish species and causes we all love. Head over to wetflyswing.com anglers right now to get a great bag of greatness to your door. That's anglers, A-N-G-L-E-R-S. Let's make a change today for great coffee. Right now, what is, what is it like? So we're kind of in the February. What's the weather like there right now? Is it pretty uh, pretty cool? Uh it's been actually we had a couple of days in the 60s um recently but yesterday we got 
uh, about six inches of snow. And today I think it's a high of 20 or so. So it's, it's kind of chilly today. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a solidly ski season. Uh, hunting season went a little later this year. Hunting season has been gradually encroaching on winter. Is this for uh, elk? Uh, elk, deer, small game. Um, we did some waterfowl this year, mm. which is kind of why it's starting to expand. Uh, we used to mostly just be during archery season in September. And then we started doing some more of the, the rifle stuff in October and then the small game. And it's been creeping later and later. What's um, small game? Uh, we do snowshoe hares, squirrels. Um, we did marmot for the first time this year. That, that's more of a late summer species. Uh, that's like end of August. But yeah, it's been growing and growing. Uh, and adding waterfowl this year brought us into January. But now I think it's officially over for us. Not for the season, but for us. I think we're done and solidly into ski season now. Okay. And what out of your episodes, if you look back at, you're almost at a hundred out of the hundred, what, what percent are, you know, uh, fishing versus hunting versus other topics? Uh, they all have something to do with fishing. Um, that's, I, yeah, I try to keep it like that just cause I assume that if people are listening to a fishing show, they probably want to hear at least something about fishing each time, but some have definitely skewed toward other things. I've nothing about uh, skiing or anything really, but, um, actually I had one recently that involved a skier and we talked about it for a couple of minutes, but yeah, um, they all are mostly fishing. I did have one recently that was about like the harvesting of fish, you know, keeping fish. And so that one also got a, a decent bit into hunting because it, it was more about um, like the ethical keeping of animals, not um, fishing specific. So fishing did come up, hunting probably got talked about a little bit more, but I would say maybe 5% of my episodes talk about hunting in some meaningful capacity. Uh, more than that, mention it, but uh definitely makes up the, the vast majority of what I talk about. Cool. Well, well, we'll put a link out to some of these episodes. So on this, I'm ca- kind of curious on this ethical one. So what was the talk there? What was the discussion around safe fishing? Was it, um, you know, was there kind of a, a focus that you really dug into? Is, was it kind of like just to kill fish or not? Or what, what was that? What would that look like? It was, um, I guess, more about the idea of kind of respecting what you kill. Um, and it, like I said, that one was kind of hunting focused, but I've noticed a discrepancy with how people treat what they kill. So, so I have no problem harvesting fish, you know, in places that can supply that and where it's legal. I have no problem with that. And I, I keep fish, not, not a lot, but I do. And I've noticed that in the hunting world, people have been really moving toward, you know, respecting what you kill, uh, giving it like a quick, clean death. Um, and I really like that. And then for fish, people just like don't seem to care as much. Like they'll just throw fish in a bucket or um, like they don't they don't really think about it the same way that, you know, some people will like kneel down and pray over an animal they've killed while hunting, um, which, you know, I, I think that's awesome. I think that, that having a spiritual connection to that is um, a really healthy thing to add to like getting your own food. Um, but people don't tend to do the same thing for fish. And I don't know why people tend to, to value a fish's life less. Um but I've been making an effort uh, to be a little bit more meaningful, you know, when I keep a fish and, and not just think of it as this frivolous thing um, that, you know, this this animal still died so you can have something to eat. And while I have no problem with, with killing an animal to eat it, I think that there needs to be a little bit of uh, mindfulness around that and, you know, having respect for what you kill and providing that a quick, clean death the same way that you would for a deer or a, an elk. Um, so that's kind of what we talked about was just... Uh, kind of having a connection to your food and, and kind of attaching some sort of a spiritual connection to it, not necessarily a religious connection, but um, just really connecting with your food and thinking about it and having a mindfulness about when you do that. Right, right. And and probably not just food too, right? I mean, you could even take it to the extreme level of say, 
you know, a bug, right? Or a spider. I mean, that's an animal too, right? Out there that's a living creature. Um, it's kind of in there. I see where the disconnect comes in a little bit with the fishing, right? Because you look at it like, okay, you've got a mammal, this animal. Yeah. Then you go down to a fish, some fish, right? It's, I, and then, then you go even lower, right? Like less, right? Or whatever. But I mean, I think everything's living. So, and you could even take it to plants too, right? I mean, there's people out there that are literally like, don't kill plants at extreme yeah, and, levels. And I, like, I know there's, at some point there's a practicality to it. Like I'm, you know, if, if there's a mosquito on my arm and I slap yeah. it, I'm not going like, right. to have a. Have <laughs> You're not going to worry like, about that. Right. You're not going to pray for the mosquito. And, <laughs> and it's, like, it's probably a little bit hypocritical because like I just argued that, you know, life is a life. But I think at some point we have to continue living our lives and be practical about it. I just don't think it's like difficult if you kill a fish to, you know, at least think about the meaning of that. And like when you're eating the fish, you know, you know, think about where your, your food came from. And, and we talked about plants. I'm obviously not against killing things. I, I'm not like a, you know, plants, plant lives matter or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. Um, like I, even when we garden things, you know, I've tried to get a little bit more focused on when I'm having, when I'm sitting down for my meal that evening to think about that, like, Hey, I, I grew this myself and it's not necessarily like feeling bad about killing it or whatever. It's more just, I feel good it. when I, yeah, like, like a little bit of gratitude, I guess. And I'm not a super religious person, but I think the act of, you know, for people who are religious, like thanking God before their meal, I, I think that's a healthy practice to have in your life. Like be grateful for, for what you have. And so um, I've just kind of tried to get a little bit closer to that with whatever it is that I'm eating, um, especially if it's something that I've procured myself um, to just think about it when I sit down to eat that, you know, I'm grateful that whatever it is, is here for me to eat. Perfect. No, that's, that's well said. So for your listeners, I'm always interested in this because I know people listening here, we have quite a few men versus, you know, kind of women out there in our audience. Do you know kind of who your listener is? Do you have more, is it more biased towards women or is it mixed? You know, I haven't looked in a while. I, I did look at my demographics at one point and I remember it being uh, more men than women. Um, it wasn't drastic. It wasn't like 95% men. Um, but I haven't looked in quite a while. So I couldn't actually give you numbers. I definitely hear from men more often in my email, like when people reach out um, to either suggest a guest or um, just, you know, mention something about an episode. Uh, the vast majority of the people who reach out are men, but um, I'm not sure what the demographics are, actually. I'd, I'd be curious to see if it differs from any of the, the other uh, fly fishing episodes out there or podcasts. That would be interesting because it's always we've had that topics come up a few times on like the you know, the 50-50, the Orvis, mm -hmm. right? Do you see that? I mean, you're just from your perspective, obviously you probably have a different perspective than I do on it, but is that something you think about like diversity and seeing, you know, changes there? Have you talked about that in the podcast at all? Uh, I haven't talked about it a, a whole lot and it's kind of hard because I feel like when I go fishing, I very rarely see other women on the water, especially by themselves. But most of my fishing friends are women. And it's, I mean, it's probably because I seek that out. Um, but, you know, I've, a couple of my closest friends are very avid uh, female anglers. And I've had a decent number on the show. I've definitely had more men, which I think is just a product of there are probably still more men who fish than women. So it's easier to find guests who are men. Um, but I think it's definitely been growing. And I, I don't want to say that we're fully where we need to be yet, just because I, ha I have and I've had friends who have had um, not so great experiences in fly shops before, not very recently. I think it's still getting better. And I don't think we're quite where we need to be, but I think it's we're we're almost there. I think the vast majority of anglers are um, very welcoming, and the vast, vast majority of interactions I have with people, both in fly shops and on the water and online, are very positive. So and and that's just based on like men and women. I think you know we could have more diversity in general. 
and that's definitely a larger conversation. But overall, for the men and women thing, I think I think we're close. And I hope we get to a point where it's no longer something that really we need to talk about. Yeah. Um, the one thing that still kind of annoys me that I, and I don't know if I watched it last year, but in some of the uh, the film fests, I have noticed that there have been a decent number of films that feature women, which is great. But where the topic is that, you know, there's a woman fishing. And the one thing I'd really like to see more of is like women being featured in these films where the topic isn't that she's a woman who's fishing. It's just like, you know, like any other film, but there happens to be a woman in the crew like that. That's what I want to see. So I'm hoping that we can get there. And I I don't even know if I watched the F3T last year. So maybe we have gotten there and I just kind of checked out. But um, that's what I'd really like to see. It's just kind of like, you know, it's no longer a topic that we need to talk about. That's where I'd like to get to. Yeah, that's well put. Uh, No, I think that is awesome. And it's good to hear that, yeah, you feel like we're definitely getting close to, right? And that's also awesome to hear. Do you think, um, you know, I'm just always curious about this because I'm trying to, for myself, try to make sure that I'm doing the best job I can to, it's tough because even like, you know, the diversity, inclusion, right? All that stuff, there's a lot of stuff going out there that you mm-hmm. want to make sure you're doing the best. But again, sometimes it's hard to even know, right? And um, right. Do you find yourself getting caught up on that or do you just kind of do your thing and focus on, you know, being curious and having a good time and don't really worry about all that other stuff and the diversity and everything on that end? Uh, I'd say for the most part, the latter. Like I, I'm quite uh, quiet online. Um, I I guess the one thing I do try to do is I, I try to make an effort to have people from different backgrounds on my podcast. And like I said, part of it is a function of if there's a lot of like white men available to talk as guests, then I'm going to end up talking to a lot of white exactly. men. That's how, that's how <laughs> that's it works. Right. And I'm the same <laughs> way. I mean, I'm, you look at my thing, it's a bunch of white guy, right? It, I think there's less older white guys, old white, the old, you know, that's the old yes. joke, but there's still a lot of white guys. Yeah. It's just younger white guys now. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I mean, that said, so I do, I do try to make an effort. Like sometimes I'll look at my episodes and be like, man, I have talked to nothing but white guys for the past 10 episodes, I should probably try to find somebody who differs from at least one of those things um, in the upcoming episodes. But I wouldn't say that I think about it a lot, I guess. I, I mean, I reach out, a lot of people will reach out and ask to be guests and I, you know, welcome them and I get recommendations. So I reach out to basically anybody who I think is interesting and it happens to skew my guests probably more toward the, the white male side. But um, I do like to hear from people from different backgrounds. So if I ever have the opportunity to talk to somebody who um, does not fit that stereotype, then um, happy to talk to them and, and hear their perspective. Perfect. Do you find that, um, you know, just looking back at, you know, everything you're doing, I mean, it, it sounds like you're loving it and just looking ahead as far as, you know, you're doing two episodes a week. So that means you're going to get 26 more episodes right here this next year, this year. Do you find that that's, it sounds like that's pretty easy for you to, to do. Are you looking out past that year and thinking about, okay, what could this become? Or is it more like you're just kind of focusing on, you know, shorter term? Uh, I guess I'd say shorter term. There was a time where I was, there was a part of me that was like, maybe I could really pursue this and turn it into something um, kind of more like in a money-making capacity, I guess. Um and I, I'm about to graduate from grad school and have a job and everything now. So I think now I'm more focused on that as an actual career because um, I think I would get burned out the same way I got burned out on guiding, the same way I got burned out on blogging. Um, the reason this works is that I do it infrequently enough. And I don't I don't want to say I don't care about it because I do care about it. I obviously you know value my res- or I respect and value my um, my guest time. Um, but I don't care about it in the sense that if I had to stop tomorrow, I could. And I like knowing that because it makes it just something fun to do. 
if I knew that I had to pay my bills from it, I think I would stress a lot about it and then it wouldn't be fun for me. And because I started this as a fun thing, I kind of like to keep it that way. And so I've kind of um, transitioned away from the idea of like wanting to make it something huge. You know, if it made me some money, that'd be great. Um, Right now, I basically break even. But I like knowing that it's not my primary means of income. And because of that, I don't really have to think super far out. Um, I I am curious where podcasts are going. Um, My fiance has been talking about like a podcast 2.0 thing and maybe you're familiar with that also in the podcast space i don't know a ton about it yeah. but i i am like intrigued to see where podcasting goes and i feel like there's a lot of potential because podcasts while they're that i think they're getting more listened to it's still kind of um in its infancy i think it is with how it runs uh the fact that there's no like centralized place for comments or anything else like that i guess apple podcast is kind of that but in one way i think it's becoming more decentralized with more podcasting platforms but also i'd like to see some way for podcasts to all be integrated all the platforms to be integrated so um you know interaction with hosts and comments and reviews and things like that can all be easily found and left so i don't know i'm, I'm curious to see where that goes but for my own show uh, i'm not usually thinking more than a couple months out just trying to find good guests and uh I don't. I really have much to think about because I'm. It's just been going, um, just kind of cruising for the past year or two. I haven't really made a lot of changes or anything, so I just kind of like where it's at, and I'm just kind of letting it go where it's going. Yeah, and I do know a little bit about the, the podcast 2.0. I think that is an awesome thing. I think it's uh, Adam Curry is the guy behind that, right? And the idea being the value for value, where you know there's different ways to monetize podcasting, but their their thought there is, is that you actually create a way for people listening to give you money essentially in an yeah. easy way, right? So they could just be like, go here. If you found value in this episode, go leave some money. Um, there's lots of different things, but that's kind of the value for value. And he set it up and that's what, the, and also they're decentralizing it too. Because part of the thing is Apple Podcasts has 60% of the listeners are mm. on Apple. Spotify has like 20% or something like that. So it's these two big, you know, and Apple has been awesome and they probably will be awesome for a while. And Spotify has been great too. But the idea being there that it's more, you know, there isn't one big player that has it, right? It's more decentralized, I think, is where that's going. Uh, but I'm now, not how sure. How does that yeah. go from Patreon? Because Patreon's a way for people to give money. Yeah, Patreon is the same idea. You know, I think Patreon is just, um, yeah, I mean, they, they take their cut off of it, right? Oh, okay. So, so okay. this is like, there is nobody's taking a cut. It's like, straight up, you're getting ah, money. Okay. There's no 2% fee. I'm not quite sure how all the background, the you know, that it works, but that's essentially it. Like, there is no... Like Apple Podcasts could leave tomorrow and you'd still be making money because people are paying you directly. Got it. Now, have you done anything like this? Um, obviously, I don't think it's like yeah. fully rolled out. But have you um, played around with the idea of letting people, you know, donate money for things, the content? That they yeah, we, we've done. I mean, I've done the um, a little bit. Right. So the Patreon, we did a little bit of that. We still have a community in there that, um, you know, we have some folks that pay to support the podcast. So we have definitely done it. Um, I've just found the sponsorship model a, a little more effective, right? And okay. so that's the kind of the route that we've gone. And and I think it is a great route. I think the sponsorship works great when you find the right sponsors. People are loving them, and right. And so the sponsors mm-hmm. are basically paying you, and, and that's kind of how that works. But um, but no, I think I think the value for value podcast 2.0 thing is very. Uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing how it grows and, and evolves over time. Yeah, I am too. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long for something to come to the podcast world. Because I, I feel like podcasts are huge these days. And 
my listenership might not indicate that, but <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, some of the bigger shows that aren't in a niche topic. Because uh, I mean, I feel like in fly fishing, there's definitely bigger shows and smaller shows, but there's only so many people who fly fish and want to listen to a podcast about it. So take everyone who fly fishes. It's not that many. Now, how many of those people listen to podcasts? Also, probably not that many um, in the grand scheme. But the the bigger podcasts that are on more general topics, you know, they get they're getting tons of listeners. So I'm I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long for people to really jump on that bandwagon. Jump on. Yeah, and I think I think they are. I mean, some of the big ones, right? I mean, Joe Rogan, right? He's the be- He's the biggest. I mean, he sold his for like two hundred million dollars or something for a, you know. I mean, so there's definitely, and you hear about some of these things, right? That's going on out there. There is actually a lot, quite a bit of money out there being spent buying podcasts, right? Different. You hear mm-hmm. about it out there. So there is some stuff going, but I think that the struggle is right now is people, the people spending the money. Some of them, the producers and stuff like that, are coming from outside of podcasting, and mm-hmm. so they might be in the TV or in that realm. They don't understand how podcasts work. So I think there's been a lot of money spent where they're expecting some a different return on their investment than they're actually getting. Because podcast yeah. growth is slow. I mean, it's not a fast-growing thing. Like, our podcast has grown slowly over time, but that's kind of what it is. And so it is a different – I think that's the biggest challenge. that A lot of people, especially the industry people outside of podcasting that have the money, they don't understand how it works. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the podcasts are – what I think what's nice about them is they are stable. Like, I don't think my listenership really – um, wildly fluctuates. I mean, some episodes definitely get more listeners than others. But at the end of the day, people who are subscribed to a podcast are probably still downloading it, even if they, you know, I, I download a ton of episodes because I have it set to automatically download and I don't listen to them because I look at the topic and I'm like, that's not for me, but I still download it. And so if you're looking at download numbers, I feel like they stay pretty steady. You don't, you don't get like wild fluctuations, which is nice, um, but it is slow. Like you said, it's a very slow methodical process of you know years and years you gain some small percentage of listeners which is what you want yeah that's that's the building the audience you know you're building the audience and the more you're in it the better um and then yeah so on the downloads too there is this piece um you know on the downloads so there's iab certified downloads then there's just regular downloads so the iab certified are essentially downloads that get downloaded but they have to listen to a certain percentage of the podcast to get Mm. counted so, so that gets the bots out of the thing. So you can actually see, okay, yeah, these are people that not only download it, but actually listen to a few minutes of the episode. See, and I didn't even know that. I don't feel like I've seen differentiation um, when I've looked at my downloads. It just downloads. Well, that would be, you'd, I'd ask your host, you know, I'd go to your host and say, hey, are these IAB certified? I mean, like huh. that's, you know, I mean, your host, if they don't do it, you might just say, hey, this is something that. You know, there's obviously discussion in there, but that's something I'm always, uh, you know, we host with Lipson and they're one of the oldest and, you know, that's something they really focus on. Um, But no, this is good. I'm glad we went down the nerdy podcast track because this is like, (laughs) this is the fact that, you know, you're a podcaster, I'm a podcaster. It's like we had to go here. Um, So let's keep this going on this track. So tell me about the tech. And I asked this question because I always love to help other people listening, right? I know there's a few podcasters there listening that maybe haven't started yet. What is your tech? So it sounds like it's been easy for you, but talk about your setup, how you do interviews. Uh, It's easy for me now because I feel like I've gotten my system down. Um, I went through a lot of frustration trying to find a good microphone and a good setup and a good podcasting platform. Um, Or I guess I don't know if platform, like a recording platform, I mean. Um, But I've got the Audio-Technica headsets that I think a lot of podcasters use them. Yeah. What are those? What's the number of that, the Audio-Technica? I want to say it's like BPHS one or something. Um, I, I got it on. <laughs> Two, oh yeah, you got it. It sounds awesome. So they're like, what were they like? Two hundred, three hundred dollars? Yeah, I think they retail for about two hundred, and I got mine on eBay used. So um, the 
plus side is they um, cost less. The downside is one of them squeaks. Like the um, the parts that go over your ears, I think it needs to be like lubed up or something because it squeaks a little bit and you can hear it in the microphone. Yeah, so we're not hearing it, but you hear it. You're hearing a squeak. Uh, not I've got two of them and I use the one that doesn't squeak. Oh. <laughs> so, but if I have another guest at my house doing this, then I hear they're squeaking um, in the recording. Oh, <laughs> so there I've you go. Like okay. Get that out. But um, yeah, the headsets themselves are great. Um, maybe just consider returning it if you get a squeaky one, which I didn't do. Um, and then I've got a an audio interface. It's a Behringer uh, Euphoria UMC. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically the whole setup. I mean, it goes straight into the laptop. Um, it's an XLR connection, so it sounds decent. And um, I use Zencaster for, for my recordings. Um, but I know there's a lot of good options. Is that a paid? Is Zencaster paid or free? Um, the tier I'm on is free which uh, is really nice because they used to charge for the basic tier. Now they only charge if you want the premium features, but I feel like they are very generous with their basic features. Um, I can record multiple people at a time, which I know some platforms are like, you can do you and one other person or pay more to have more guests. And I think Zencaster can have up to five or 10 people on their basic tier. I think you can get transcriptions at higher tiers, but I'm not sure what else you get because I actually haven't really needed anything from their premium tiers. I'm perfectly happy on their basic tier. Today's episode is sponsored by Stonefly Nets, putting quality before quantity with their handcrafted custom wood landing nets. Charleston, South Carolina native Ethan Eigelhart was bitten by the fly fishing bug in 2014 and shortly thereafter started Stonefly Nets. He now lives in the trout-rich waters of the Ozarks and handcrafts some of the sweetest wooden landing nets you'll see. I've been using these Stonefly Nets for quite a while now and I'm excited to dig into another year. Ethan builds these nets custom, and you can select from four sizes and many different wood options. For Ethan, fly fishing is a memory created from a morning on a beautiful stretch of water casting a three-weight bamboo rod that his grandmother gave to his father, and then he passed to Ethan. Ethan is helping us create the same types of lasting memories every time we're on the water with these classic custom wood nets. You can head over right now to wetflyswing.com slash stonefly to check out your custom net right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash stonefly, S-T-O-N-E-F-L-Y. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to stonefly. Okay, back to the show. So basically your microphone uh, XOR plugs into the Behringer, Behringer plugs into the computer, and then you're on Zencaster, and that all goes into your audio interface. So you record, you're getting your clean audio, and then pretty much plug and play. You didn't have to do a lot of settings or anything on the Behringer. Uh, I did have to set it up. Um, I did have to tweak it a lot when I first got okay. it, but once I got it set, I just don't touch those dials, and it works. Yeah, <laughs> don't touch exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is the tech. I mean, it, to be you know, for those that listen, you don't even have to right. You could start even without the audio interface. You can start with your oh, computer. Yeah. You could record, right? You could even do Zoom. I mean, right? Even just just a Zoom. I mean, that's not the best audio quality, but I always tell people, like, just to get started, do Zoom, do whatever you have to do, and it, it'll be better than not doing it, right? Yeah, I started with Zoom and a crappy microphone, and uh, two other crappy microphones and two other uh, recording platforms later, I think, um, I've settled where I am. But it's kind of, um, it's a rocky road when you start, but once you get it figured out, it's really just like I... You know, I walked in five minutes before we started recording, plugged everything in, and was ready to go. You know, once you've got it set the way you need it, um, it's very plug and chug. Good to go. And who's your hosting company for the podcast? Um, I am on Megaphone. I was on Libsyn, but I joined a podcast network, and they use Megaphone, so I switched over. Yeah, that's right. Are you? And what's the network you're on? 
Uh, Waypoint Outdoors. Yeah, you're in Waypoint. Yeah, with uh, Tom. Uh, who's the main yep, guy? Yeah, Tom Roland. Yeah, Tom Roland. Exactly. Yeah, I think he's coming on as a guest soon because um, I'm doing a saltwater trip in uh, in June, my first saltwater trip. So I'm hoping that we can talk about that a little bit because I've got some dummy questions I need to ask. Yeah, where, where are you headed? <laughs> uh, we're going to Belize for our honeymoon oh, and uh, nice. doing like, a week of flats fishing. Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah, we're we're pretty pumped. I'm I'm not really sure what to expect. I have a very basic knowledge of saltwater fishing, and I obviously like some things translate over fine. But um, you know, we're probably going to take my eight weight out and do some practicing, uh, casting into the wind with that, so we can be good clientele, I guess. That's a cool. I mean, there we've done a ton of saltwater episodes, even though I haven't been out on salt that much. But yeah, Bruce uh, Chart again, he was on recently, just talked about. There's so many little things where it's different from freshwater, right? Just from casting, right? The wind. You got to deal with the wind potentially getting slammed, keeping your cast low. So it is going to be fun. You're going to, the learning curve will be interesting. And then species wise, right? I mean, like all these crazy species, like bonefish permit, you're probably going for, you probably got the three, right? Potentially yep. there. Yeah. Yep. The three are there. Uh, bonefish, permit and tarpon. Um, and I love catching lots of different species. I am not like a, oh, I got to catch a tarpon of whatever size. Like, if they have, you know, trigger fish or barracuda or whatever else is down there, I like will catch whatever they've got. And if I've already caught one of that species, I'll probably switch it up and try for something else just to experience all the different fish. Because, you know, they're also different, um, even in, in the freshwater. I mean, imagine comparing trout to smallmouth bass to carp. Like they're all, yeah, they're they're all, all so great. different. And I, yeah, I like learning about all the different fish and how they behave. So I definitely want to go for the, the three. I mean, a permit might be a tall order for my first uh, saltwater trip, but um, bonefish seem like, a, I don't want to say easy, but a, a low-hanging fruit. Yeah, easier for sure. Um, and I feel like a week with a guide, I hope to be able to get a bonefish, but um, whatever that they've got, I'm down to try for. And so if he's got something that uh, he you know, really likes targeting and his clientele don't normally uh, show interest in, I'm going to be down to try whatever he's he's hoping to catch that day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, follow your guide, just listen to your guide, let them they'll take you there. Uh, so if somebody is listening now, we've got people listening in and they're interested in checking out your podcast. What would you tell them to say, Hey, okay, here's an episode, go search. Or what, what do you tell somebody who's brand new to your show that hasn't listened to it yet? Um, I, I guess I've never ex- like had this, uh, question before. Um, I, I'd send it to my website. <laughs> that's where, that's where the episodes live. Um, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Or? So go to your, and then how do they know? Like, cause again, like our podcast, right? We've got 420 episodes. So it's kind of like, well, they could get lost in it. So do you feel uh, like people, how could they find the right episode? Like if they're into fishing for something, how would they find it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I usually try to be fairly descriptive in the title. If there's something, if there's a specific topic. So if we're talking about a certain species or something like that, I do, um, try to put that species in the title. So it should be searchable, uh, on like a podcasting app. Um, and a, a lot of the episodes, though, are not like specific to a certain topic. We just kind of see where the conversation goes. So some episodes are just discussing, uh, you know, social media use in fishing and, you know, how the culture has changed over the years and things like that. So um, I kind of assume that most people searching for a podcast are not searching specifically for that. That's kind of more for the regular listener who just wants a little bit more variety. Because um, I, I assume that most people who are searching for a specific thing are searching for like, I want to catch a such and such fish on the fly. How can I do that? Um, so I think for the topics that would be topics you'd search for, they should be searchable by the title. And I have show notes too. They're not super detailed, but I give kind of a rundown of what we talk about in the episode. I don't know if show notes are searchable, but uh, if they are, then usually there's oh, something Oh, searchable in there on would... the podcast? 
Yeah, like I don't know if if someone goes to their podcasting app and searches. No, I don't think they are. I think that's part of the thing with the podcasting is that really the only searchable stuff is really the um, the title tag and then the guest tag. Like, yeah, the the actual description isn't searchable, but it's searchable online, right? So that's why you pop up in Google for it too. Sure. Yeah, and and I uh, have my guest's name in each title as well. So if they're looking for a specific guest, um, and I have had some names that would definitely be. You know, on people's radar, April Vokey. And um, if people are looking for specific guests, there's a a not 0% chance that I've had them on um, if they're a big name. I definitely haven't had, haven't had every big name, but um, some of the big names I have. So you had April on? Yeah, I had April on actually pretty early on. Um, definitely uh, like a year or two ago. How'd that go? What'd you guys cover? Um, it was shortly after she released her um, Anchored Outdoors. Are you familiar with her program? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it was shortly after she released that. And so, um, I think the topic besides just the fact that she had that out was being like well-rounded in the outdoors. And this was kind of, I think it's kind of, um, from her perspective because Ingrid Outdoors is not just a fishing, um, platform. And for me having other outdoor interests, um, we talked about kind of the benefit of being well-rounded in outdoor skills and how learning these other skills can benefit you on the water too. It was actually probably one of the less, fishing specific episodes I've done despite being like one of the biggest names in fly fishing. We talked about hunting and foraging and um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you covered it all. Yeah, she's definitely a pretty sharp cookie, right? She's she's pretty yeah. intelligent. So I'm looking and on your website. I don't really see a search like there's not necessarily a search um, bar, right? You can't just go on your website and search for a topic. It doesn't look you like know what there used to be, but I switched um, website providers and i'm actually looking at it now and i think you might be right that i didn't get that search function back in there um so yeah i guess maybe like google would be the place for that or, or just on the podcasting app that would be the best place yeah there you go i always think that because like with our podcast i do it all the time i mean i use ours as like a search engine i go on and like okay and just type it in and it helps me remember sometimes what we've done but good so You're no right, though, that, it, yeah because i do put all the episodes on my website with the show notes and everything so that's a good idea i've I definitely had it before, and uh, I should definitely add that back in. There you go. No, it's good. Yeah, you got a ton. It's a good clean. I love the – yeah, your site is awesome. It's a good clean uh, theme and all that stuff. So perfect. Well, let's see. what I mean, we're doing good. I feel like we've dug into the podcasting. We've dug into a little bit on the fishing, the, the diversity of topics, which really is what your show is about. Um, anything else you want to leave us with as far as – just people listening, what they can expect from, you know, if they haven't heard of your podcast yet, they're thinking about going to take a look. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of market it as a, uh, a backcountry fly fishing podcast. And I, I obviously don't talk about that every episode. You know, if I'm talking about smallmouth bass, we're talking about smallmouth bass. We're not talking about backcountry fishing in that one specifically. Um, but I try to bring it back around to that if I haven't talked about it in a while, because that is really what I like to spend my time doing and talking about. Um, so if people have, a specific interest in that backcountry fly fishing, hiking, camping, um, that kind of thing. I think that is the type of person I really want to market to. Um, obviously, I'm happy to have any any fly fishing enthusiast who wants to listen. But uh, th- if if I could talk about that every episode or weave that in in some way, I would. So if people have an interest in that, that's kind of who I'm focusing on and who I think will gain uh, the most value because I like to cover things about you know backcountry gear. Uh, the guy who's doing the Gila Traverse, he is starting a backcountry fly fishing specific company to try to solve some of the problems like carrying a bulky net into the backcountry, like things that um, you can do, but there's not like a huge market for the people who are trying to 
hike 10 miles in a day and fish. Right. So I'm really interested to hear like what he comes up with. He has a net prototype out that I'm really interested in. And That's cool. um, I think he wants to tackle the waiter issue, but I'm not sure what solutions might exist out there for carrying waiters way back in the backcountry, but we'll see. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, there's got to be some. I think Patagonia, they may have had a really ultralight waiter out there maybe, but um, yeah, I love the ultralight stuff. That's the thing, the backpacking. We've had some episodes here where we've dug into that. Uh, we had Grant from Bear Vault on who talked about his, his. Uh, I think it was 11-pound week-long backpack. For a week-long trip, he got it down like 11 or 12 pounds. Oh, man. That, and that's what I want to, to get to, but I'm definitely not there. I'm <laughs> I'm not an ultralight person. Now, what's your pack? Are you are you closer to 40 or what, what's your pack look like? Uh, For what? Like a weekend backpacking trip? No, if you're doing, say, a multi, like, say, three, four, five days. I mean, I'm curious how he eats food for that long. That's the biggest thing um, he said that we actually dug into that. Um, I'll put a link out to that one. But he talked about the caloric uh, intake of different foods. Like when you get the right type of food that has a crazy amount of calorie but is very compressed. I, I'm not doing a good job explaining it. But he talked about just mm-hmm. basically it's all about the food because there are foods yeah. you can get. And you can get the wrong foods, right, that aren't going to do it. Yeah. So for a week, I'm definitely closer to the the 30 to 40 pounds. Um I'm not really attempting to be ultra light and I can carry that without a problem. And, and I, my food, I feel like even when I'm taking, you know, freeze dried stuff, um, I want to at least enjoy my food a little bit. So I, I bring a decent amount of like real food. Um, I don't know what he's bringing. So maybe, it, maybe he does really enjoy it, but um, like, I don't bring a lot of like uh, a meal replacement bar that, you know, feeds me for half the day on a single bar. Like I, I want to snack on some, you know, some good stuff. Dehydrated some cheese chocolate. And, yeah. Like, yeah, chocolate Snickers bar. Like I, I bring things that I when I sit down, I pull it out and I'm like, oh man, I can't. <laughs> yeah, <eat> you're <laughs> like, this is yeah, this is a good taste like crap. But yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe he maybe he enjoys his food too. I'm not gonna um, say anything about that. But yep, yeah, totally. Yeah, and my gear, like my hunting, I I use my hunting backpack for all my backpacking, and it is not light because it's designed to carry, um, you know, fifty to one hundred pounds at a time for meat, and so it carries weight really nicely. Um, so I can put a lot of weight in it and feel, and it doesn't like hurt or wear on me. Um, so I end up carrying that for most of my backpacking trip, but my backpack is like not terribly lighter than what his overall setup is. Like, I think my backpack weighs like six or seven pounds, which is a lot for a backpack. And I'm aware of that, but, um, because I can then put a bunch of stuff in it and it feels comfortable on me still because the rest of my stuff is an ultra light. So if the rest of my stuff only weighed 11 pounds, yeah, I wouldn't be carrying a backpack that weighs seven, but because the rest of my stuff weighs a, a normal amount, uh, not ultralight amount, having that heavier backpack with a, a sturdier frame um, really sits nicely and carries the weight well for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. And and the hunting, that's the cool thing about the hunting is that they have, there's some really awesome companies with like super great stuff, right? Do you have, are you, do you have like the newest of all the hunting type of packs and all that stuff? Or do you just kind of have whatever you kind of have? More like me, which is like a bunch of older stuff. I mean, I've had it for a couple of years, but it's, it is uh, not an old, old backpack by any means. Um, I think I got it maybe three or four years ago and have been using it um, basically for all my backpacking since then. Cool. What's the, as you remember, the, know the brand there? Yeah, it's a Kefaru. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is hunting specific, but uh, yeah, they were located like 15 minutes from me. So, which is kind of why I went with them because I could go in and try it on. And being a, a smaller framed person, I really wanted to try on the backpack before I bought it because they're not cheap. So I can't speak to any of the other brands just because this one was located so close to me that I went in to try one on, but I've been pleased with it so far. Perfect. All right. Well, let's take it out here. We got the, uh, the two minute drill I've been doing here to force me to wrap it up, even though I don't want to, I'd, I'd like to keep uh, talking, but let's, uh, 
press start here. I got a few quick questions here. So okay. do you know, you might not know the answer to all these, but is there an episode like your top episode maybe had the most downloads? Is there one that sticks out to you? Yeah, actually, it's um, it was Fly Fishing for Panfish with um, Bart Lombardo oh, yeah. from Panfish on the Fly. I think he shared the episode with his followers, so I think that's why it blew up. But um, I think that's some of my most downloaded. Yeah, Bart. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Bart was awesome. We, we had him on as well, and he's out on the East Coast, right? Um, I actually don't remember where he's located. Uh, it's been a while since I talked to him. Um, but I like that that one was highly downloaded because uh, I feel like everyone has access to panfish. You know, it feels very universal. Anyone can go catch a, a panfish probably within 30 minutes of their house. So I thought that was a, a good episode for people to really enjoy. Nice. So uh, fishing, honey, it sounds like you're kind of equal there. If you had to pick one, which one are you going with? If you could only do one. Uh, fishing. It is still fishing. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I mean, I, I've been a fisherman my whole life since like I was very little and um, I really love hunting and I almost feel like hunting is still in its, um, it's not its infancy. I've been hunting since high school, but you know, moving to Colorado, the hunting out here is very different. So I feel like I kind of had to relearn it um, for like elk and stuff versus whitetail back East. So uh, I think hunting still feels new and shiny, which is why it's, I've really been dedicating a lot of time to it because fishing, you know, I've been fishing for so long that it's not boring. That's not the word for it, but um, it's, I've had to find new ways to be creative and like still make it feel new and exciting to me. Whereas hunting is still just new and exciting to me because um, we're still learning a lot every time we go hunting. And I still learn things when I go fishing, but it's kind of plateaued a little bit where most of the time I'm going and kind of going through the motions i know what i'm doing whereas hunting i come out of every day being like wow i learned like 10 new things today so it feels like it's taking up maybe more time in my life right now but it's not because i prefer it over fishing it's just kind of the the season i'm in at the moment nice good well and let's just wrap this up with the the rod so it sounds like you do a lot of backcountry uh what is your you know rod kind of length weight if you kind of had to pick one what is your go-to um, I usually carry a nine foot four weight for what I'm doing out here. If I know that I'm going to be uh, specifically targeting some larger fish, which we do have a decent number of pretty big fish in some of our backcountry lakes, I will take um, a five or six weight. I don't take my five weight very often because it's a two piece. It's the first rod I ever got. And two pieces are not like super conducive to backpacking. So uh, and I've never gotten another five weight rod. I just have gotten other weights and I use them and like them. So I usually end up going with the four weight unless I know for a fact that I'm going to a place that is known for large fish, at which point I'll take my six weight. Take your six. Yeah. I like the six too. I think I'm more of a, I used to be more like a, the odd number, but I think I'm more like the evens six, eight, yeah. 10. I think that's more my style for some reason, although it doesn't probably matter. Um, yeah. I don't know if I know anyone with a seven weight. Yeah. A seven weight. Yeah. The seven weight is, uh, it, there's definitely some uses, but I don't know. I'm more eight weight. So yeah. I feel like everyone jumps from the six to the eight and it, it covers everything in between. So, but except the five, the five and the three, I still feel like hold a place. Well, and then also the nine, if you're going saltwater, the nine is a good, you know, weight to have for the all round rod, right? That can oh, cover okay. you. Yeah. So the nine will be one that, and, and then the seven. So I don't know, I guess that's the question. Where does the seven weight fit maybe for <laughs> in the middle there? Good. All right, Katie. Well, I'll let you get out of here. We'll send everybody out to fishuntamed.com. And I uh, uh, just want to thank you for shedding some light on what you have going and doing the great podcast. I think you're doing an awesome job and excited to keep in touch with you and see, you know, follow the journey along the way. All right. Thanks, Dave. I uh, appreciate you having me on. There we go. Boom shakalaka. Wetflyswing.com slash 439. 439. Working our way up the 400s on our way to the big 500. That's going to be a milestone, not too far away. 
I've got to give another big shout out to Stonefly Nets, the custom build out bonus, which is going on right now. It ends Monday as we speak. Monday, this is ending, and I just want to ask you, what are you doing if you haven't entered the Stonefly custom build out bonus? This is your chance to get a custom net built for you um, by Ethan, and he definitely is not going to hurt you. So if you haven't entered, give it a shot right now. Your chance to get Ethan to walk you through and build a custom net to your specifications. Quick listener shout out before we get out of here. Colby Amos. Colby reached out on email and said, Hey Dave, I'm from Washington State. I'd say my favorite fish to fish for is probably cutthroat. Mainly Lahottans, then West Slopes. But I love all subspecies of the cutthroat. Have a great day, and I love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Colby. Right on, Colby. Thanks for checking in on that. I definitely appreciate you for letting me know. Uh, you've been enjoying the podcast and uh, and love it. I will definitely have to get something. Uh, I, actually, we have a Lahatan Cutthroat Trout episode coming up very soon. Uh, we've actually got our uh, Steelwater Guru Master, Phil Roy, is going to be hitting that up soon. And, uh, and West Slopes. We're always up for West Slopes. So... I will work on that. If you're out there listening, you want to get a shot on this podcast or want to get an episode put together, just reach out to me, Dave at wetflyswing.com anytime, and I will put it together for you. Let's take a look at where we are heading next before we get out of here. Let's take a look. I know this is going to be a big one. We've got some good stuff coming, so let's uh, let's take a quick look here. Here we go. Next week is a big week. We've got three more uh, massive, uh, <laughs> massive uh, interviews next week we've got uh we've got like i said phil roy actually is this going to be the one did i just i just predicted i think so, so i think this is the one so thursday colby colby you're going to get that episode you talked about uh you mentioned lahatans and i've got the man himself uh phil roy who is actually doing his first interview uh, podcast on this show on the littoral zone where he's interviewing one of the masters out there on pyramid lake so stay tuned for that also if that was enough wednesday before that we've got bob jacklin we've got a traveled episode coming up with bob jacklin who is one of the most famous people in uh, in eastern idaho in that part of the yellowstone country bob talks about um, his story the really amazing episode and then we are going to cap it off and actually begin that week with gord peiser if you don't know gord Gord is a, um, a huge, um, a huge person in the predator space, biologist out in northern or in Canada, and he breaks out some uh, some good stuff. So uh, if you know Gord, uh, that's going to be this is crazy. I mean, I'm talking. We got like three. This isn't just three. We've got uh, three episodes that are huge, and then a bonus with the interview. So I'm excited for that. I got to say, I hope to see you on the water. I hope you can get on one of these trips that we have coming up here. We've got one right around the corner. I'm going to give you a little heads up that we have one right around the corner, and this is going to be a big one as well. Uh, it's something that rhymes with um, uh, Tina. It rhymes with Tina. That's where we're going. And we have a guy that knows his stuff. And if you are interested in catching big steelhead um we've got that covered so that's all coming up soon and i hope to get with you on the water there but if i can't connect with me online dave at wetflyswing.com anytime and i hope you are having a great evening great morning or great afternoon wherever in the world you are even if you are in 
some country that I can't even pronounce. I appreciate you for listening right now, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.